With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, it's Mike again, and nothing but the truth. And uh, we're going to do some more reading. This, this goth might be on the show or next week if they can arrange it. The son's mother, being who she is, I never know what she's going to throw at me. She's very manipulative and abusive. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? That a woman without God could be manipulative and abusive, huh? <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, like her mother said, Mike, the only thing you did wrong was you fell in love with my daughter. My own father doesn't trust her, and I don't trust her either, and I don't know how much more I can take of any of this. It's one thing that Joe went through. And I'm no Job. Cover my fish tank here. Normally I don't have to, but because of the heat lamp in the room, or the two darling chickens, baby chickens, you need the heat lamp on. So... fish can get some kind of sleep. There's just the cover for the budgies, their cage, so that they get their sleep. Temperature has cooled down. It had a little bit of rain. Pathetic. As if at least it was something, but it is still hardly any kind of rain. And uh Let me adjust this fan because it's kind of loud. I don't like using the A at night. I really don't like using the AC. Um, that's a, it gets so hot in here that you have to. I prefer have the windows open and gets fresh air, even if they're poisoning me with their strontium, strontium, and aluminum. The coal ash all over me. <clears throat> so we're on chapter 14 of A Man of Heroic Endurance, Joe, by Charles R. Swindell. Mm-hmm. 
and recommitment to things that matter, chapter 14. <clears throat> well, you know, um, I also got a phone call um, from a guy from AA who's going to meet up on a Saturday who uh, is a believer in Christ. So maybe that was the only reason to go back to AA was to meet up with them. As we learned in the last chapter, God's ways are not our ways. Scrutable, unfathomable, uncomprehensible, uncomprehensible. The best that we can know of God is the fringes, the edges, if you will. His majesty and that we are lucky in the fallen state that we are in to even know that he is. I am that I am. All praise and glory go to our God who created us in this world and all the beauty that's in it. The good, the bad. The merciful and the unmerciful, the just and unjust, the fair and the unfair, all of it, the blessings and adversities. I just don't know what to do with it because, you know, I love my son, but, you know, it, I he hasn't been here in a since that last two Mondays. And, uh, it's two Mondays? 15th, whatever that was. And, uh, no. 13th? I don't know. Anyways, I, one thing I don't miss is the messes. It's nice to test. I don't have to trip over all these toys, but uh, one thing I'm tired of is bending over backwards after five years, five long, hard years of doing everything I possibly can to please someone that I never could please. And it seems to be my life story, to be honest with you. Starting as being born and Parent situation, family situation, women I've run across. I guess it's all, I don't know what God's, what the purpose of it all was, except I know one of the biggest things is, is that the only one I can count on for anything is God. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, no one I can turn to, the only one I get, I believe in. And uh, you know, it's 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 a tough situation to uh, be unloved and uh, in this world ever to know any of it. 
I mean, I look back all the times that I thought I was in love. It was really, uh, well, I might have been, but on the other side, the other person, the other, the woman was always just in love with me, being in love with them. So, and once, you know, no, never any real honest commitment. And and it, you know. I guess I'm just as guilty of it, too. But I don't know how you can have solid commitment without Christ in your life. It just doesn't work. You know? You can use your your will, but... Especially if you're one of his elect, he's not going to let you get away with any of that. So, I guess if you're the unelect, I guess it help us. I guess there were rewards here on this earth, but I just don't know. The main theme of the last chapter was that the book of Job is really about God, and that it's pretty. It's okay, and what is a wisdom in itself to admit that you don't know. And to tell others, I don't know. So, Okay, suffering helps us clarify our priorities and focus on the right objective. The deeper the pain, the clearer the vision. The more we hurt, the better we determine what really matters. During the process, we replace knowledge with wisdom. And first and foremost for me, through all the pain and suffering, is that God. Dear Heavenly Father, have mercy on me. Have mercy on the people that listen to this show. Have mercy on those that come on my show, or our show, or your show. Your show. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful garden you gave me, the beautiful plants. Thank you for the animals. Thank you for my son. And the joy and the growth I get from being around him. Dear God, my hand over my son to you. I hand over myself to you. I've already phrased that, God. I can't do any of that. Dear God, I beg of you to have mercy on my son, and I beg you to have mercy on me. That she would be part of our lives. As far as the situation is, Mom, I don't know what else to do except go and let you run it. Because I'm really uh, quite sick of it and tired of... uh, the roller coaster ride, the day in, week week after week, day after day, um, exploitation, the use, the abuse, neglect, and um, I ask that you have mercy on my son's mother and 
revealing Lily that she may know you. And that I I'm really sick of her negative influence around me, to be honest with you. Praise and glory go to you, God. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your honoring and your obedience and your love. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the girls. Thank you for all the girls. Keep directing me and guiding me in the truth. Not willing. All praise the Lord, go to God. Ultimately, the truth leads to Christ and leads to God. Godhead, the triune God. So it's another mystery. You know, it's one of the great things about the journey of discovering who God is, is how infallible you are, God. how inscrutable you are, how beyond our ability to comprehend and reason you are. And yet, you touch our lives and influence in ways that we just, it's hard to comprehend. And how you go about it all. How many times have I missed the fact while it was happening, only to find out later that your hand was involved. I don't know. But, you know, the longer any man lives on this plane, this world of existence, one should come to the conclusion as all the others before how desperate we need are for God and how little we actually know. And how this fallen world and the corrupt system that God is allowed to rule over us, deceives us so many times through the use of our own pride and arrogance. Through the use of the need to belong to others, to the group, instead of hearing the belonging of God. And then again, God, I'm probably wrong about that. Suffering, okay, so we're talking about suffering here and how that helps to clarify our priorities and focus on the right objectives. Each time our nation returns from another anniversary of September 11th, we pause and reflect on all that happened. Only to find out, Charles, 14 years later from when you read this, wrote this book, but the official, official narrative of it was an all lie. It was a complete lie. Except for the number of people 
I, I would even say that they probably lie about the number of people that died. Remember, the ends justify the means. <clears throat> the society of Satan. <clears throat> Beliefs and such. It is part of their philosophy. Therefore, should be always questioned and critically critically questioned and never jump on the bandwagon of what they say. As that Mrs. Ingram, I guess, there at the Republican convention did the Hitler salute, the Roman salute, as things start leading towards another dark period in the history of fallen man. I really do believe strongly that our faith in Christ and in God should have no relation with politics and man's vain philosophies and scientism. I don't think that we should ever, 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 even if we like the chap and become what we consider a friend or a good acquaintance, think that they have all the answers. about any particular subject. And just because a man has a PhD does not mean in the day that he really is as clever as he presents himself to be. Or maybe he is clever as he presents himself to be, which, by the way, may not be that great of a virtue in the eyes of a God, but I don't know. One thing I do know is not, I don't know, but what I believe, my impression is with Chuck Swindle in this book, and I have no idea he's a Freemason, I want to be in a quote-unquote Christian. strongly believes that what happened in 2011 and 2002 was more in line with official narrative. Anyways, what happened? September 11th, we pause and reflect on all that happened. The the synchronized uh, premeditated strategy of multiple murders that shock us. And all I have to tell you, say, folks, if you really believe that an airplane turned those buildings, hey, just two airplanes turned those two buildings into dust, the veil is covering your eyes. 
and I don't know what you do about something like that. Why does God eventually wake those of us up to see the truth? What do you do about that? Even today, there's people all around me the corporate fascist state nation state town that I live in who insists that what happened to 9-11 and all their havoc and um, was a dozen and a half or so uh, Muslim hijackers with yeah, utility knife. It is draining to go back and to hear people even back then say this kind of stuff. So if there's one lesson to be learned in all this, that just because the words on page, on the page, or the words that come out of any man's mouth, including my own, are not necessarily ones that we should blindly believe. How many times have we been misled about this, that, or the other? So anyway, it's a synchronized and premeditated strategy of multiple murders that shocked us. The headlines, the pictures that filled our newspapers and magazines for the week, are those, all those things are things you should not waste your time reading, really. The thousands of families who grieve the loss of loved ones try to motivate a nation to go back to war, the crusade, oh, religion, man-made religion, the corruption of the teachings of Christ. What does it lead to? War, death, Pestilence, famine, ignorance, superstition, hell, a loss of communion, true communion, and walking with the true and living God. And if anyone thinks that we're not fallen, and that we are beyond, we're not beyond simple animals, should raise some animals. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
how I yearn to just talk to God. What I'd rather do is just talk to God all day, but the flesh is weak. It comes and goes. God forgive me. Once again, have mercy on me. Each year we read the testimonies of real people who were devastated by the series of atrocities that, it turns out, the own government perpetuated, perpetrated, excuse me, on them. It isn't uncommon for them to include words that mention some of the lessons learned resulting from the renewed commitments to priority. One surviving New York cop said, as a result of those atrocities, I will never again take our liberty for granted. And any liberty liberty we have does not come from a man-made government. It comes from God himself. I hope we, as a nation, should learn that and then... Well, we spend more time talking about the bread and circus show than than talking about God, praying to God. A middle-aged woman whose husband was killed in the World Trade Center expressed it this way, I now hug my children rightly every day. I hope that still is the case. And I hope she's if she's still alive. Fourteen years, fifteen years later. I always tell them I love them. Every morning and every evening before you go to bed. But what's even more important, it should be. How many of us have been told that by someone only found out it was just words? So, mothers, fathers, spouses, girlfriends, friends, pastors, whatever. One 48-year-old stockbroker who lost several... Several... Yeah, I'm getting a phone call again. Several co-workers on 9-11 admitted, I've decided to hold my business and my career much more loosely. My family and friends have now become more important to me. The suffering helps clear away the fog that that success and priority creates. Prosperity, correct, excuse me. And how many of us have ever experienced quote-unquote success and prosperity as far as the debt of the world? Now, you would think that... There you go. You would think if I don't answer that you would not let ring that doesn't touch. Anyways, Pastor John Brown... uh, Pastor John Brown. Pastor John Piper has written a book... To fellow pastors. Yeah, I, what, one of the things that bothers me, God, 
and those who may listen is how you know you what do we do about us you know we're in, in the situation that we're in when we're dealing with guys like the Chucks the Charles Swindles of Swindells of this world you know I mean well and um but are truly ignorant of their own personal reality that don't know anything to deny what's right before their eyes that blindly believe things that are contrary to reality and your reality, God, and you're the truth. And so what do we do about something like that? How do we love them knowing full well that if we tell them the truth, they are not going to really love us back, that they're going to ostracize us and pull rank on us and isolate us? How many of uh, these pastors don't know anything about a guy like Aleister Crowley? And how he has influenced their culture. Now, I know we're supposed to focus on you, God, Lord God, but we also are supposed to have a love for the truth. The good and the bad, and should lead us closer to you, and actually putting more energy in you than things in this world. Anyway, this is what John Piper has written. He written a book to fellow pastors. I love the title, "Brothers, We Are Not Professionals." In his opening paragraph, he talks about the value of suffering. Sometimes and I guess a lot of people would say that uh, he's a Calvinist which is alright in my opinion. They're really you know the, the darndest thing is one is honest or is election. And this 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 world is a lot more complicated this creation of God's and who he is is a lot more complicated than what's come to believe. Sometimes massive suffering comes so close to home that for a brief season the fog of our foolish security clears. We can see the sheer precipitous of eternity one step away. The cold wobble passes through our thighs for a moment. Everything in the universe looks different. I kind of like the clouds this summer. I tell you, the clouds are so low 
And it's the most bizarre thing because if they're so close, you can almost feel like you can just see them right through them. They're so... The depth of the, at least for me, is how I look at them. I see them respectively wise now. They are much lower to the horizon or to the ground uh, than I'm used to seeing in the summer. Maybe that's because it's been a while for me. But for some reason, the past couple of weeks, the past month, the clouds are much more vivid, uh, clear, if it will. The depth, the detail. It's almost like they're really close. I think the same is true. Oh, let's go back to this. Oh, how hollow much of our lives and ministries seem in those moments. Where are we at? Okay, those are, okay. The cold wobbles pass through our thighs and the moments, and for a moment everything in the universe looks different. Those are good times for pastoral realism. Oh, how hollow much of our lives and ministry seem in those moments. The last thing we regret then is being less professional. I think the same is true in the business world. I cannot recall ever hearing a once successful professional person now lying on the bed dying with cancer saying, I wish I spent more time at the office. If Job could speak today, he would verify all of this, urging us to pause and reassess. And stop assuming and make it an ass of you and me. Once his children were taken in that freak tornado, his business went belly up as a result of the uh, cataclysmic series of events. His health went south, covering his body with boils, and his fever rose to dangerous levels, but never hurt. Job lamenting his missing the turn of a deal. He never mentioned longing, longing for a lucrative contract that would enlarge his camel caravan business. You don't think about that when you're hanging onto your life by a thread. Suffering helps us clarify our priorities. Um, I've lived long enough to be convinced that suffering is not an enemy. seems strange to put it that way, but the truth is, it's a friend. Yeah. 
order out of chaos. Not until we acknowledge that will we gleam its benefits. Job is living in a crucible. His misery in that difficult arena has forced him to focus on things that really matter. Like God, I guess, right? Where are you, God? Interestingly, he does not talk about those things until his friends stop talking. A week after they showed up, they began to blame. They pointed fingers. They lectured, insulted, and condemned him. And put the time, by the time they finally quieted down, it all began to distill in Job's mind to the point where he, in a brief interlude of time, began to see things clearly. That the most important thing is to love God with your heart, mind, strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. But maybe at the end of the day, knowing all the things that we know about how the world really works doesn't add up to real beings. And um, maybe we should just learn to care and love our neighbors more. How do you do that? Seems like the only way to really go about it is to become a very passive as you see Job, just take it and bear it kind of attitude and until you get so sick of it, you blow up on them and point to them how they're just bullshit. I don't know. Maybe that's the reason why they were at the dump because they all had to take a dump and then they were constipated and they're just waiting. I don't know. I have finally come to realize that one of the benefits of going through times of suffering is that my focus turns vertical. Wow. Charles Spurgeon, the great pulpiteer, uh, Prince of Preachers of London, for so many years, was a flashpoint of controversy. The media of his day relished taking him on. They took advantage of a target that big. Normally he could hold his own, but there was one occasion when it began to get the best of him. All of us have our breaking point. My wife noticed a depression that was lingering. She became concerned. Excuse me, his wife noticed a depression that was lingering. She became concerned for him that he had not that he not lose his zeal and not miss the opportunities that were his while going through such hard times. That led her to do an unusual thing. She turned 
inner Bible to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. In my own handwriting, excuse me, in her own handwriting, she wrote those words on a large piece of paper. She then taped it on the ceiling above their bed. When the preacher turned over the next morning, he awoke, blinked his eyes, as he lay there, he read those words. He read them again aloud. He focused vert- vertically on what God was saying, and it renewed him within. He pressed on with new passion, with a wonderful and creative I- what a wonderful and creative idea Miss Burchin had. When flat on our backs. The only way to look is up. It worked. He stopped kicking his, he stopped licking his wounds, and like Job, he looked past all the criticism and began again to be preoccupied with thoughts of God. Job's vertical focus. As we arrive to chapter 27 of Job, his vertical perspective quickly emerges. In seven statements, he refers to the name of his God no less than 11 times. Italics are mine. As God lives, who has taken away my right, and the Almighty who has embittered my soul. Job 27.2. For as long as life is in me and the breath of God's in my nostrils. Job 27.3 For what is the hope of the godless when he is cut off, when God requires his life? Job 27.8 Will God hear hear his cry when distress comes upon him? Job 27.9 Will he take delight in the Almighty? Will he call on God at all times? I struggle with that. Man, my self-will gets in the way all the time. Job 27.10 I will instruct you in the power of God. What is with the Almighty? I will not conceal. Job 27.11 This is the portion of a wicked man from God and the inheritance which tyrants receive from the Almighty. Job 27.13 The single most important one to Job is his God. It is the Almighty. It is the Lord. Job's main priorities. This gives us the first of five priorities that are worth remembering. Job's priorities. 
at this point in his life begin with his relationship with the Lord himself. Thinking God's thoughts is our highest goal, although we can't do that. I've already referred to this in the previous chapter. I call it thinking theologically and thinking biblically. That is one of the reasons we might be better yet thinking the thoughts that God wants us to think. A better way to say that. Instead of saying thinking God's thoughts, it's a bit of a contradiction. And this is one of the reasons I'm such a proponent of the discipline of Scripture memorization. You can't think God's thoughts more accurately or acutely than when you quote God's very words back to life situations. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so what comes to mind when you think about God? I remember as a little boy thinking about of God as a very old man with a long white beard and cheeks puffed out, blowing strong winds from the north. I had seen his face at school on an old on old maps of the world. What comes to your mind when you think about God? Do you see him as one who gives you breath? keeps your heart beating? Do you see him as one who will call everyone into judgment someday? Do you see him as the one who watches over our children and our businesses? Do you acknowledge his power is greater than any power you would ever witness on this earth? Or honestly now, is he a little remote sort of out of the touch out of touch with today's high tech society your view of god makes all the difference in how you view life think of job's situation he is now bankrupt childless friendless and diseased covered with boils he is living with a high fever and constant pain on top of that, he is misunderstood, being blamed for secret sins, and is now rejected by those who once respected him, not the fact that he's living in a dump around human excrement. How in the world does he go on? There, are only, there is only one answer. His view of God keeps him going. Not what others are saying. In light of that, he recommits himself to things that matter. And the swirl of humanistic thinking coming from Elitha's Bill Dad and Zophar, whom Job has mentally turned off, he is now focused fully on the things of God. In fact, he says because he is so focused, he will not pad the record, he will not speak deceitfully. He will not tell them what isn't true. He continues, for as long as life is in me and the breath of God is 
in my nostrils, my lips certainly will not speak unjustly, nor will my tongue mutter deceit. For be far be it from me that I should declare you right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. Job 27, verses 3 through 5. This introduces us to Job's second priority. Walking in integrity is the only way to life. He refuses to skate. He's he's not going to fake it. He will neither lie nor deceive them. He will speak only the truth. How refreshing and reassuring, how memorable it is to be around those who have souls, who have gained control of their tongues. Joe qualified. Through his afflictions, he gained the upper hand over his speech. Never again would he be dominated by the strongest muscle in his body. I had a physician tell me not to be hesitant about calling the tongue the strongest muscle in the body. Anatomically, it's true, he said. The muscle makes up the muscle makeup of the tongue would qualify it as certainly one of the strongest muscles, if not the strongest in the human body. The point in in I guess it's the point is supposed to be uh, it's, it says undeniable, in undeniable. I think the point is undeniable. I think that's what he's trying to say. You got a PowerPoint muscle in your mouth realizing it its potential impact Job says in effect my lips will be lips of integrity I refuse to use them as vehicles of deceit well you know it's, it is admirable <laughs> It's abnormal, that's for sure, but admirable. But um, we all slip up. So for Job to say, I never again or I never will, is a great goal. But don't be blind that he never did lose integrity of some sort. But it's a lofty goal for the rest of us in our fallen state to to aspire for integrity in the words that we come out that come out of our mouth. But when we slip and fall, we pick ourselves up, repent, make our amends, ask for forgiveness to those that we may lie to or deceived, or said something that turned out later to be error, we try to correct it. I imagine it must be one of the harder things for a pastor to do, a record of saying things wrong, 
committing it uh, would I imagine be one of the greatest challenges that a pastor would have to really deal with on a personal level. It's very easy for the ego to crop in and go, we all get up puffed up. It's so hard not to get puffed up when we become the center of attraction, although we're not supposed to. The pastor of all people should know that he's not supposed to be the center of attention, but I don't know. So I don't want to. I don't want to accuse uh, Charles Swindell of being that kind of pastor. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I don't know. I've never been to his church, and I've never been around the man, so I don't know him. I don't know too many people at all. To be honest with you. If one is really gets down to brass taxes, I mean. Yeah. Even when I was, you know, interacting more with the world, I really, I never really knew too many people. I was never invited to too many parties, to put it that way. That's the reality of a while. People say, well, hey, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with you, Mike, the whole time. Um, could be or maybe there was the mercy of God maybe hence God was the hand of God was involved in it it prevented me from being more self-destructive or Given me a, a bit of a a, de- a lack of desire or belonging to the group after seeing what that meant in reality. I don't know. I don't know God's ways. I can only make assumptions about that. In light of that, okay, uh, the point is undeniable. You've got a powerful muscle in your mouth, realizing its potential impact. Job says, in effect, my lips will be lips of integrity. I refuse to use them as vehicles to seat. In the light of that, he restates his disagreement with his critics' conclusions. Far be it from me that I should declare you right. Verse 5, because I believe you are wrong, for me to call wrong right is not the correct use of my tongue. That would lack, it would lack integrity. I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach any of my days. For six, what a remarkable way to live. 
And I guess they would also require, for, if you're really sincere about this, integrity to how I see it, it's the mass media is just nothing but propaganda and lies, deception and mind blanks. Um, then one probably shouldn't watch television. One shouldn't pay attention, read the newspaper or the um, magazines. Um, one shouldn't listen to what the Pope has to say. Uh, one shouldn't listen to what anything a politician has to say. Uh, uh, one should not listen to anybody that's promoting any kind of social programming and what they have to say. Um, because the potential is that you're going to barf out and regurgitate the lies that they are filling your are filling your head. One must be very careful and wary about what the boss and what the business is teaching you and telling you and how they're programming you. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to aim for a higher integrity, but I don't know how you have that without Christ dwelling in you. Because you're a fallen man. You're a fallen creature, and therefore you lack the ability to have integrity on your own. So I think I'm going to do a part A and B of this 14. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't uh, open the windows. Because uh, I feel pretty hot and tired, so... Anyways, this is making me. This book definitely makes me think about things, and you know, makes me think about who I am in the world and what to put our faith in. And I think it also tells me something else. The more one puts one's faith in God, there's a good chance the more one is going to be alone, isolated, um, disconnected. From others. And maybe, I don't know God's will, but maybe in His wisdom, um, separating us from the rest of the world, as lonely and frustrating and hurtful as it may be, it's really for our own protection, spiritually and morally. Because, you know, it seems to me that me and myself and others you know, are in the same camp. Whenever we seem to reach out to the world or interact, eventually it it just, bad things happen to us. This is due. And then, 
eventually we're going to fall. That the integrity is not going to be there as much as we idolize it. And we run to God and say, have mercy on me. How do I deal with all this stuff? How do I be the man I want to be? I don't want to interact with the world. The world causes me to be, to lose my integrity. Men who claim they have integrity are some of the most, some of those who have the least amount of it. What do we do? What do we do, God? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.